Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Safe and Empowered podcast. My name is Jess McBeth. On this episode of the podcast series, I talked to Douglas White from Carnegie UK Trust. I wanted to talk to Carnegie because they've had a clearer voice in the online harms agenda for some time. So I talked to Douglas about Carnegie's work, the projects that he's involved in. We touch on the kind of key issues, I suppose, in the digital agenda, digital inclusion. We talk about digital citizenship. But we also look uh, specifically at this idea of social media platforms having a duty of care to their users. It was an idea that um, was introduced by Carnegie some time ago. Um, and as I say, they, they to me, they represent thought leadership uh, on this particular aspect uh, of the online harms agenda, which actually forms the basis of the UK government's um, approach to, to online harms. Finally, we think about some of the implications all of this might have for online safety and digital citizenship education. I hope you find it interesting. If you have a topic you'd like me to cover in the Safe and Empowered podcasts or webinars, please drop me an email um, to uh, jess.macbeth at swgfl.org.uk. And Macbeth is spelled M-C-B-E-A-T-H. Similarly, if you've got somebody that you think it would be great for me to interview, I'd like to hear from you as well. Anyway, enough of me. Uh, I'll let you get on and listen to the interview with Douglas. Hello, it's Jess Macbeth here, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Douglas White, Head of Advocacy at Carnegie UK Trust. Hello, Douglas. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you today? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Good, good. So um, today we're going to be talking about all kind of stuff, digital citizenship, online harms, all that kind of stuff. Um but to start with, I'm conscious that some people might not know what Carnegie is. They might have heard of it, um, but don't really understand what the organization's about. So can you tell us a little bit about Carnegie and your role in it? Sure. So the Carnegie UK Trust is a charitable foundation. We are based in Dunfermline, but we operate across uh, the, all of the UK and Ireland. We were set up over 100 years ago by the philanthropist Andrew Carnegie, with the remit of improving the well-being of people across across UK and Ireland, and we've interpreted that mandate in lots of different ways over the past uh, over the past hundred years, uh, and worked on lots of different different social issues. Um, today, um, as as an operational trust, we undertake a whole mixture of policy and research and advocacy work and practical interventions, all still absolutely designed to to improve people's well-being in di- in different ways. And my role in the organisation is I oversee two of our uh, programme areas, one of which is about uh, the labour market and employment and how that affects our, our wellbeing and what we can do about that. And the other area is around digital technology and what we, um, how we can maximise the benefit that digital technology has for our, our wellbeing and also mitigate some of the risks that we know that, that technology has for us as well. Great. And what's your role in, in all of that then? So I oversee uh, our 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 activities in those two fields. We have a whole number of different projects, uh, both in relation to, to, to the work stream of things and also in relation to digital technology. Some of those are around 
uh, increasing digital participation, digital inclusion, some of those around tackling online harm. Um, we have a whole raft of work about public libraries, which sits under our, our digital theme. We have some work on digital public services. Um, so, I, so I oversee those, those, all those different, different projects and uh, try to ensure that they deliver uh, the benefits that we, that we hopefully will do. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of things there, digital participation, um, and I'm thinking of, so obviously my role is is very much about supporting digital citizenship, so trying to move on a wee bit from a traditional kind of risk-averse online safety work towards empowering people as, as citizens in a digital space. Um, but I'm conscious right now, so as we're recording this today, uh, we're in lockdown, and uh, we've been in lockdown for a few weeks now. There's been a huge push uh, by schools uh, and voluntary organisations and companies to move their services online, getting people to uh, implement tech at home, right? Um, just as we are doing right now, uh, video conferencing, um, meetings online, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I suppose there's a big kind of question mark for me that uh, we've, 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 we've put the tech in place, um, but tech isn't quite enough. Is it so? I suppose one. I'm, I'm waffling here, but the digital divide. How, how do you feel that that is kind of playing out at the moment, and where do we need to be going with that? And kind of using the tech that we have right now, um, supporting everybody to get a kind of equal and um, equal access to to online lives and to what was the phrase that you used? Uh, making the most out of, of being online. I can't remember the exact yeah, phrase. Yeah, uh, um, maximizing the, the benefits that technology can bring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that right now? Yeah, oh, so there's, oh, I think there's lots of different places you, you could you could take that uh, those those thoughts. Um, I suppose to uh, to to start with, I suppose um, I'm just thinking about what does what does digital kind of inclusion mean and, and what does it and what does it feel like? Um, and I think this is this is not a kind of new issue for for society to be grappling with. It's your know, te digital technology has been around for uh, for a long time now. And we've been working through through this as a public policy issue for some time now. And, I, and one of the key kind of ways in which we've approached this as a public policy issue has traditionally has been a kind of a view that I suppose that there are um, a proportion of the population, which is, has generally, I suppose, seemed to have increased over time, who are comfortable using technology, have access to it, and can therefore make use of it for the things that, uh, that they want to do with it and enjoy the benefits that it can bring. So whether that's about learning, as you were describing, which is really important, uh, access to work, access to public services, uh, buying goods and products, transactional things, leisure kind of activities, viewing, uh, access to, to, you know, kind of entertainment platforms and so on. Um, the whole range of really important benefits that we know technology gives to us, so they're, they're, they're really significant. So there's, there's been seen as kind of people that can do that. And then I think there's traditionally been a kind of view that then there are, um, there are other parts of the population who really, who, who who don't manage, who don't have the the opportunity to access those benefits, and uh, because of a lack of access to technology or needing support to get the, the skills and confidence in order to maximise um, maximise those benefits, and and therefore there's been there's been rats of work to kind of close that gap and to help more people get online and to get to get digital skills. I think that's all really really important. But yeah. I think as the past few weeks will probably have demonstrated really starkly, is that the range of different ways in which we use technology, the range of different skills that we need to maximise those benefits, the range of different platforms 
uh, that we might that we might apply in different settings are now so diffuse that every single one of us has digital inclusion or digital participation needs if you like no that, there is no one person who has kind of absolutely cracked all of this and is maximizing technology to the absolute benefit and mitigating all of the risks that might occur as well all of us are somewhere on that spectrum and so the idea that there is a kind of group of people who are digitally included and a group of people who are not is, is really a, a, a kind of false dichotomy and it's to be digital citizens effectively as a, as a society we need to be collectively thinking about what are the different needs that each each of us have what are the different skills skill gaps that each of us have and how do we kind of work to to um to to, to share learning between us and um, to maximize it so that we're all maximizing those benefits and mitigating those risks while at the same time i think particularly focusing on where are the real issues of harm and concern um, in terms of skill gaps in terms of where harm might be most likely to occur and are we making sure we're dedicating um a sufficiently higher level of resource to, to tackling to tackling some of some of those problems that's a really interesting um way to look at it because i you know i've probably fallen into that thing myself of the kind of haves and have nots in terms of technical skills or, or kind of access to technology and broadband and all that kind of stuff but thinking about it you're absolutely right it we're all um the technology changes all the time and um one of the things that I try and do is is support you know educators and parents to to not worry too much that they don't understand all of the technology. Um, you don't need to understand all the technology in order to to work with young people or other vulnerable mm. groups um, to help them kind of get you know get the most out of being being online and being safe at the same time. Because quite often it's not about the tech, right? It's about mm. um, it's about how we make good decisions online, Absolutely. how we how we use our judgment all that kind of stuff, which is the digital citizenship type bit yeah. that I feel like at the moment uh, we need to get onto that wave, right? So so we kind of did the lockdown and we supplied the tech and we're still supplying the tech and we kind of jumped on it and we're using it and, and some people are upskilling, so they're sort of learning how to use Zoom or whatever it is for the first time. And then we need to come onto that next stage, which is, okay, you've got the kind of practical skills, how are you using them, right? So that's mm. the kind of, to me, that's the third phase that we need to kind of... Um, we need to kind of go through. So, so Carnegie is really well placed then in terms of your overall remit. Uh, and you mentioned libraries, and it always makes me, you know, Carnegie libraries. That's what I always think of. Um, but you know, you met your overall remit then, looking at health and well-being in its kind of broadest sense, and that kind of real um, public space approach. You know, thinking of us uh, in a kind of and a societal kind of based approach. H how is what we're doing um, kind of improving? Uh, a benefit to all type stuff is really well placed when we think about technology and it brings me into the whole online harms agenda because of course it's not all you know sunshine and flowers online uh things do go wrong so um and we've been we've been making waves in the uk internationally right in terms of our proposals for regulation of um social media and other spaces where people are able to connect and share um, content online. So the UK government published its online harms white paper a year ago, um, making big kind of bold statements about uh, regulating these spaces, appointing a regulator, um, tackling the full range of online harms. So, so not just the stuff that we know is illegal, but stuff that is harmful and yet legal and all that kind of grey space about what's harmful and according to who and all that kind of stuff and a big focus on companies. The interesting bit for me is uh, 
to date, we've really focused very much on companies in terms of takedown, right? So um, why have they not taken down certain content when they've been told that it's, you know, it's harmful? And, and, and according to their terms and conditions, they say we shouldn't host this content. And yet somehow they don't they don't respond in the way that we want. So um, uh, that brings us on to um, looking at technology design, right? Um, and that's kind of role. Now, I understand that Carnegie... Um, is a major player, if you like, in looking at this idea of uh, a duty of care. And that's very much uh, fundamental to the to the online harms approach of the UK government. But can you tell me a bit about duty of care uh, and kind of Carnegie's role and your perspective in that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I, I guess just to link that into the, the points we were talking about earlier, I think there sometimes is a discussion about technology. I, I kind of an almost a kind of underlying sense that that technology and how it affects our lives is something which which happens to us um, and that that's it's somehow kind of separate uh, from from human decision making and human and, and kind of uh, kind of human interaction and of course that's that's absolutely not the case um, the way that uh, the way that we choose to deploy it in different settings are decisions that, that we take whether that's in your whether it's in a work setting or whether that's in um, whether that's an education setting or, or however it might be, it's actually the, the human decisions and human relationships that sit around that technology that are often um, that are often fundamental to whether that technology um, delivers the, delivers benefits or whether it creates problems or not. Um, and then and then thinking that taking that then into the design space and, and, and the points you were just just talking about there in terms of in terms of duty of care. Technology, of course, is 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 designed by people, designed and people working in companies, and how then, therefore, technology um, is experienced by us and how and how we use it, um, and the experiences that we have online, are the result of decisions which are taken in terms of how that technology is designed. So, the content that we might see appearing in our in our news feed. Uh, the, the prompt that we might get to watch about the next video that we might watch on a, on a, on a video viewing platform or prompts about uh, a next, the next thing we might want to buy on a, on, a, on a shopping platform or the next music track we might want to listen to. These are all um, these, these are all decisions about the design of that system, about how that's going to work and how that's going to prompt and promote content to us. Um, and we know at times that that, that, that often that, that people experience content online that they find find very harmful um, and difficult for them to engage with. And previously, um, the approach to tackling some of that pro- those problems has been very much the onus has been very much on individuals and families to think about how do they put in place coping strategies in order to avoid that content. So, do they try? Do they avoid logging on at certain times of day, for example? Or do they avoid posting particular types of content or questions themselves on some platforms because they know they might get a, a kind of negative response to that? Um, but the onus has been very much on on uh, on individuals to kind of have uh, to, to to take that responsibility for their own online well-being, if you like. And the 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 key principle behind the duty of care approach is to say that actually these are places that are designed and made available for people to use. And that those who design and make available for those people, those make available these spaces, should um, have a responsibility themselves to make sure that they mitigate the foreseeable harms that might occur in those in those platforms, and make sure that they make the design choices in a way that mitigates um, mitigates those harms and um, 
and ensures that people don't don't unnecessarily experience um, um, harm online. And I think that's that's a really kind of important fundamental starting principle. It's really interesting because it again it, it, we have this sense that um, we're learning as we go, and that we are starting to recognise that. Uh, I mean, it actually brings in questions of free will, doesn't it? You know, this idea that I'm in control of what I do and what I think and the decisions that I make and, um, and, and what I say. And actually, no, we are we are prompted and, 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 and kind of pushed and, and suggested uh, in all kinds of really interesting ways. And again, there's a sense that from the tech company uh, perspective, We've almost got a broken record of kind of, you know, there's a harm that happens. Um, there's a suggestion to a company that, that it's, it's, it's because of something that they've done or how they've designed. There's an initial pushback. Um, and then actually there's an acknowledgement that, yeah, there is kind of an issue here. So your um, reference there to kind of algorithms in terms of uh, promoted content. So um recommendations so what 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 is recommended as the next video to you or what is recommended as you know other, other people watched this video or other people bought this book here's some others along a similar vein actually can take you down a rabbit hole mm. uh, of, of certain content without you really thinking about it uh, and the initial response by by some companies to that suggestion was no that's that's that that doesn't happen and then we moved on to this idea of well we'll remove you know certain topics we'll remove certain content or we'll stop promoting certain content but the question remains if the underlying system is is built in that way you know we, we're continually fiddling about with the end product mm. rather than going upstream yeah. uh, and looking what's happening in, in, internally and and system is absolutely the key word here um and we're very much in favor of um the systemic approach that we think that uh, the duty of care uh, can deliver because that allows you to think beyond the kind of the simple kind of reaction to what might be occurring uh, at a particular point in time and for that to be addressed um, in perhaps a piecemeal way across the landscape in a quite sporadic way um, which which in itself brings concerns about, about about how well that can be can be done and the sustainability of that of that model and actually yeah. a much more um, systemic uh, approach really bakes that thinking in from the outset and allows harms to perhaps be um, identified at a much earlier stage and actually taken to mitigate uh, to mitigate um, against those. I think in an analogy we've used um, within our work has been to think about um, pub, um, public spaces in the in the in the offline world. Um, so, for example, those who might provide uh, a play park for children. Or for those that operate a workspace, um, both of those, um, in both of those cases, the people that provide that space, whether it's an employer, whether it's the, the, the provider of the park, whether it's a local authority or a private park, or whatever it might be, they have a duty of care to the users of that space to think. To, and that duty of care is to think about what are the foreseeable harms that might occur in that space, and what action are we taking to mitigate against that. And are we reviewing that on a regular basis to say, actually, oh, there's something there that wasn't there before. Now it is. We need to take action to think about that. And that, and we think that there could be a real value in that similar approach being applied in the online world, where there are digital public spaces created and made available to people. And are we thinking? Are are we properly thinking through what are the harms that might occur in the way that that space has been designed? And if there are things that might occur, well, let's let's then think about how do we design them differently to make them to make them safer and better. And I think one of the real values that that model brings 
is it, it recognises that as within the offline world, in the online world, not all public spaces are the same. So the types of um, the types of harm that those who are designing a play park again, for example, might think about and take account of and take take action on, would be quite different, very different from the types of harm that those thinking about um, the, the, uh, a large sports stadium might think about, and therefore the actions and the um, the mitigating factors that they would put in place in order to, to manage that harm are very very different. And then again, in the digital world, there are different types of public spaces that people use, different types of content that might be likely to be used, and therefore companies would be able to take the, the, the right kind of approaches to thinking about what are the, the foreseeable harms that might occur in this space, what's it intended for, and therefore what um, what action should we be should we be taking taking? So it really allows and um, for for kind of a systemic but also kind of flexible response that is most likely to to really meet the needs of citizens and tackle the tackle harm where and when it's most likely to occur or indeed before it occurs and 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 um, and really take that kind of preventative approach yeah it feels intuitively it feels like yes of course this is what we should have been doing all along right <laughs> but it strikes me that let's think about education so um there could be significant implications of this approach in terms of how we educate uh, vulnerable users and young people. So if we if you go back to that a little bit, the conversation we had that said, um, I think we talked about the, the onus being on the individual to protect themselves. Right. And so, again, from an educational perspective, the onus has been on, you know, let me tell you about all of these risks. Um, so that you know about them and, and let me tell you what you need to do to protect yourself from them. Um, and, and I don't necessarily see that that going away. I think we're, we're always going to have an element of so you know even your kid that goes to the play park, right? <laughs> there are certain things that they that they know or that they might be shouted at for doing because actually they're really taking a risk here. Um, but there's that additional element of so do we start teaching much more about the fundamentals of of kind of technology design um, and not just teaching in terms of you know individual protection but also teaching in terms of, well, you know, there are people that are just, you know, who are the people that are designing all of these spaces? Yeah. What, what's the education that they've had to understand the implications uh, of the technology design to do risk assessment in a way that recognises what can really happen? Um, and also the kind of ethics and values in those kind of technology design um, as well. One of the interesting things I picked up was a report um, that you've published, Online Harms and a Thriving Democracy, which is published by yourselves, Carnegie UK, along with Demos and Dot Everyone and, and a host of other organisations, which was re responding to the government's um, proposals on the online harms. And it talked about, you know, moving beyond even the empowering users bit, right, moving beyond that in education towards real digital citizenship. So the stuff we talked about right at the beginning, um, social participation, uh, human rights, on um, all that the kind of basic things as well about navigating in a space uh, to make it to make it work for you, right? So, so the potentially the the, the educational approaches over the next five years, say, could could really transform. What, what do you think about that? I think that um, I think really interesting, really interesting points. So, I think in an educational um, context. I think for me the, the crux is, is 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 probably a continuation of a of a of a journey that I suspect uh, people are already on, which is in thinking about that that in everything that we that we learn about that we that we that we're engaging with, there is um, there is a digital dimension to that, 
I think we've seen that so clearly over the past month or so that the way in which technology touches um, sometimes out of necessity all aspects of our life. Um, and as we as we as we as we kind of move forward, I think we will see kind of that increasing recognition that that um, whatever it is that we might be doing, there's a kind of digital aspect to that, and that 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 what we what we are likely to need in the future is to move from from digital being a kind of separate plank um, of, of 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 something, um, to being much more kind of embedded across across everything that is we do. So in some ways, the notion of digital citizenship in itself. Might uh, may, may become become slightly outdated, and actually, it's our we're updating our thinking of what does citizenship citizenship mean, but and and that digital is absolutely kind of embedded within within that, and that feels to me that the kind of the kind of the journey that we're on is to how to think about how do we how do we have that kind of that mod that kind of current view about what it means to be a citizen, and and that that has to that has to encompass a lot of kind of understanding around um, around digital technology, and that both being about how we how we maximise the benefits of it, how we mitigate the risks of it. I think there are, there is still an absolutely critically kind of important role for our own media literacy and understanding and how we navigate how we navigate it in the same way as we talked about in the offline world that um, people have responsibility for for designing and making spaces available to us. We all still do have a personal responsibility in how we use those spaces. So it's not it's not a kind of a complete shift of responsibility. It's about trying to redraw where that balance lies. So our own digital skills and competencies and, uh, and confidence uh, remain kind of really, really important. And then I think, as you say, there have been really interesting point and points about actually understanding where that where technology comes from, how it's designed, what are the kind of underlying decisions that lead to lead to it being the way the way that it is, and how we interact with it, and how those, how those decisions might vary across across different types of types of platform. Again, I think yeah. as, we, as we have in an offline world, we have a as we as, as we learn, we have a kind of intuitive sense of what we might expect in different public spaces, and the risks that we might expect occur are very different, say from in, say in a in a skate park to a to 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 a to a, to a small child's park, for example, to take to take the park analogy and to split it into two. <laughs> we could keep going with it, right? <laughs> but in the same way, in the digital, we need to be as we as we become more kind of skilled. We should be we should understand the different risks that are likely to occur in different types of types of places. So it's really about the whole thing becoming much more kind of central to our just our understanding of of everyday life across across everything that we might might engage with. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really crucial points in this idea of embedding. We just it's so vast now, isn't it? You know, all of the issues around about our online lives and use of technology is so huge. Uh, and right now we're seeing such fundamental um, impacts in terms of, for example, uh, you know, misinformation around about coronavirus. Um, it's really hitting home now that this the way that technology is designed is, is has real world implications. It's got public health implications and it's so broad. Um, I totally agree with you that we, we need to be looking at how can we embed all of our messages throughout everything we do. And so including right across kind of educational curriculum as well. I think it's quite funny. I'm, I've been wondering about the word digital and at what point is that going to start feeling dated? You know, mm. you'd be able to date somebody by their, their, their use of the word digital. Anyway, uh, I think we've probably run out of time. So it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for your, your time, Douglas. I shall be watching with interest uh, not only what happens in terms of the UK government's work on online harms, but what Carnegie's got to say about all of that, because I certainly have the sense that you're a really important and valuable uh, voice in that space and, and bringing together all of the, the key things we need to think about uh, in terms of digital and impact on our lives. 
So thank you very much. Thank you, Jess. Thanks very much. You too.